Um, but welcome everybody. Thank you for joining us tonight. I'm really excited to have our presenter, um, our guest speaker, Dan Billing, join us from ANZ. Um, so Dan is a senior relationship manager at, at ANZ and he's also, um, one of his colleagues is also with him. So that is Sean Stafford. So between the two of them, they should be able to answer all the questions tonight, which will be wonderful. Um, I'd just like to start off with just getting everybody to type in the chat box um, and just say where they've come from and how the weather is, just to make sure that's working for everybody. And while you're doing that, I'll just take this little bit of time to um, introduce myself because I haven't met quite a few of you in person. So I am Briar Huggett and I obviously work for Beef and Lamb. I've been with the company for about 18 months now and um, I have worked in quite a few parts of the country. So I've been seen in a few areas um, and, and lucky to meet a lot of our wonderful farmers around the place um, and hopefully I'll be seeing a lot more of people. Um, so yeah, and where I am, I'm down in Canterbury. Um, the weather's actually got quite cold. So we've got a few messages in here. Um, still dry in, in the, on the coast of Wairapa. Um, Paihatua, warm and overcast. Kaitai is wet, that's good. Oh, we've got a business manager from Farmax. How awesome. Welcome, Victoria. And she is calling, for, oh, calling in from Hamilton. So we, now that you've all sort of had a go on that chat box and we've got it working, um, I'll, what I'll do is during the call, we'll just keep everybody muted. Um, those who have been on this call before will know how it works, but keep muted and videos off for um, the majority of the call unless you're asked to unmute and then um, you can speak at that, at that point. Um, feel free to type in, in any questions you have in that chat box and um, I will read them out, especially for those that are calling in uh, on numbers because they can't see the chat box. And then we'll get either Dan or um, Sean Stafford to answer those questions as we go. Um, and yeah, we should be all good. Hopefully that makes sense. So I'll just start off, I'll get, um, Dan to give us a bit of a background about his role in himself, um, followed by Sean giving us a background about himself as well. So I'll just turn my video off now and away you go, Dan. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Uh, so I am Senior Relationship Manager for ANZ, based out of Dannyburg and uh, working with Sean uh, right up and down the Wairapa and Tararua. I do a lot of work with uh, the local sheep and beef businesses, which is predominantly uh, you know, my workload. Uh, also on the local farmers council here for the East Coast as well, so have an involvement with beef and lamb in uh, more than just a presentation sense. It's my role as a senior manager here is actually to help support the businesses within this region and uh, look at sort of ways and means of how they can actually continue to grow their business, remain relevant, remain sustainable within the local industry, within you know, the local environment that they actually work with. Uh, and uh, you know, trying to develop these guys in, uh, in a bit of understanding 
um, I'm basically here to help and uh, and uh, you know assist businesses uh, where and when's needed. Uh, that's uh, you know I've been in this role in Danny Burke here for close to nine years now. Before that, I uh, was based out of Gisborne, where I was uh, actually uh, managing properties up there, you know, shipping beef properties up in Gisborne. Uh, and before that, I was uh, yeah, moved up and down the East Coast in various forms and iterations of shepherding and fencing and sharing. So been around a little bit with this varied, sense of, uh, varied set of life skills. It's probably the best description of me there, Brian. No, that's pretty cool. Um, Sean, would you like to unmute yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, Good afternoon all, uh, Sean Stafford. Um, I've been working for the bank, uh, ANZ, National Bank, various iterations um, since the early 2000s. Uh, I have two leadership roles in the bank. Uh, one is I um, am the regional manager for Wairapatera, Southern Hawke's Bay, um, for the commercial and agribusiness. And further to that, I lead um, our corporate agri proposition and team in the lower North Island and top of the South. Thank you. Very good. So as you all know, we're all here because we've found ourselves in the situation where we have a combination of drought and coronavirus. So just to kick us off, um, Dan, can you give us um, your top tips for farmers who have found themselves kind of in this year's drought slash coronavirus situation? Not that anybody's farmed through it before, but. <laughs> yeah, no, sure, Brian. The best place to start and, and the most common tip that we give to farmers is actually to sit down and understand your position. That starts with actually creating a, and completing a budget. A lot of people have a budget in place but it's really making sure that you're understanding the implications of your actions on farm from now on. So, you know, having, having a budget in place and making sure it's as accurate as possible up to now, and then having a tying that in with a plan, a plan for the next two to three months as you move into winter. But then also you need to look at what that plan looks like over the next six to 12 months as well. Really, it's about understanding sort of where you're going and knowing all the all the ifs, buts, and maybes that uh, that are going to impact yourselves and your business uh, and your requirements over that same time frame. Uh, you also need to put in place a bit of a non-budget plan as well. So we're talking about that in terms of understanding what is it that you're actually really trying to achieve, what is it that you're really trying to want, yeah, that you really want. And some timeframes are in that. When do you want it? Uh, then you, what other options have you actually got to actually act or pull the trigger on in your business if you have to? You know, what are some, you know, what are some variables in there that you might have? And then who else can I actually surround me to actually help support me and my business and my decision making to help actually ensure that we're making the best decisions? It's really simple. It's about you know, understanding and planning. They're the two biggest tips that I could give anyone. Planning is a is a very, very common tip that we hear from most of our um, experts on these calls. 
Um, so it's good that all the rural professionals have aligned there. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I think it's 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 remains relevant because if you don't have a plan, you don't know what you're doing. You can't you can't do anything in a strategic or a positive manner without understanding where you're going. If you don't have a plan, you're just shooting from the hip, and uh, things will not go well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Sean, I'm going to direct this next question at you. Um, what expenditure can farmers afford to put off in order to get through? So, uh, for example, sharing um, or repairs and maintenance. Thanks, Brian. Look, I think it starts with, um, you know, understanding um, where we're at today, uh, which is, in truth, um, we are facing uncertain um, times. Um, globally, uh, there's a hang of a lot of uncertainty uh, about that global economy um, in terms of supply chain, in terms of commodity price. Um, we, we, we're just facing, we're just facing a whole lot of uncertainty and, and as such I think it's critically important that um, farmers um, probably hold fire or, or cease fire around um, capital projects. Um, now is not really the time to be going into major development, um, major infrastructural upgrades, non-essential spending effectively, um, unless um, you're committed, you know, if you're partway through a project and you need to finish it, um, so be it. But now is not the time to be making um, rash decisions, uh, sorry, um, decisions about um, infrastructure, capital development and such forth. Um, we are suggesting that customers sort of take um, a good six months uh, to just see where things play out. And as we move into the um, latter part of 2020, um, maybe things may be you know, there might be a clearer pathway for us moving forward and, and as such, um, we can re-explore uh, when it comes to infrastructural and capital projects. Um, as far as expenditure goes, well, look, it's not common sense. Um, basically, expenditure that contributes to productive outcomes, that contributes to financial outcomes is smart expenditure. That's what good farmers do. Um, clearly, uh, there's, there's an element of everyone's expenditure that is um, that is nice to have as opposed to um, a need of the business. And so we would encourage farmers to look hard at what costs are contributing to your top line, what costs are actually contributing to your productivity, and try to uh, minimise um, non-essential spending as we move through this period of uncertainty. I'm not saying that um, there may be a point in the new financial year where non-essential spending is back on the table, but right at the moment um, we're facing a, a hang of a lot of uncertainty around where commodity prices are moving next year, so the best decision to make right now is just to hold off. Yeah, that's that sounds very understandable. Um, I've heard of a lot of farmers around the place, especially in the North Island, that are really struggling to sell stock around the country um, with with both the dry and the effects of coronavirus, so a lack of workspace and um, just lack of grazing available all around. Um, so yeah, huge impacts on the industry. Uh, it's hard for a lot of these people to get good returns. So what other options do, do farmers have other than effectively donating those to get them off the farm? 
sorry, we'll direct, I'll send that sorry, to you, Dan. Yeah, you're good. I guess, you know, really they need to understand the implications of, uh, of maintaining those stock on farm. While there may be a huge emotional, you know, withdrawal by selling stock at a, at a value they're not happy with, it's more about, you know, what is, there, what is it going to do to the rest of my business? By holding on to stock and holding out for a price that you may think you want and you may achieve further down the track, you may actually be compromising the business in a bigger, in a bigger way, i.e. production through the winter into next year. Yeah, it's a simple logic. You carry stock, it's eating feed that your capital stock may actually be doing. And uh, as, a, as a result, you know, if you're having, having lighter use going to the RAM, then your, your lambing yeah, is essentially going to be really impacted by that. So you have to understand the implications of carrying that stock to try and get the get that price further down the track, or uh, yeah, or actually just protecting your capital stock. What we're seeing this year is essentially uh, there's we're a long way through this financial year now, and the 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 ability to manage or mitigate and manipulate that endpoint, the end result for this year is is all but gone. We know that this year actually hasn't been a great year and is going to be a write-off. So if you're still in that position now, there's a great, there's a, there's a good argument to actually sit down and just writing it off and actually trying to move forward and protect next year production income base. Uh, it's yeah, it's about sensible decisions at this point. You know, looking at the bigger picture as opposed to the here and now. Cool. So I've got a question here. Um, saying what is a sensible investment in creditable planning advice right now to help form a lean but realistic and sustainable plan for the new financial year? Could banks encourage this? If you're talking about what is a great investment, a great investment would be a tool to help you plan a budgeting a budgeting tool. Is that answering the question, or is, there, or is am I picking it up from a different angle? Just wait to see your response there. Um, perhaps, Andrew, if you just quickly un unmute and explain what you meant by that. Um, Dan, yeah, Andrew Freeman here. As more, well, that's good advice too, but more reaching for it's probably now's not the time to start as a beginner in something like budgeting or feed budgeting as in you know what's a sensible level to invest in knowing experts to um guide in such a critical time and um you know perhaps I don't know what that costs for businesses, but what would be a credible smart investment from the bank's perspective for outside help? Yeah, Andrew, look, I mean the best way to answer that is how much uh, you know, how much do you really want to spend? It's how long is a piece of string? It's what you're comfortable spending. But uh, really surrounding yourself and investing in in people that help you make decisions and help drive and, and guide you within your business, it's, it's, it's invaluable. Uh, I mean, we're seeing, you know, people, you know, pay anywhere up to 30 to 40 grand a year to have that investment from professional services and professional support around them to help drive their business. It's the, the the value of that investment comes back to, you know, are they making tangible changes and real growth in your business from having them involved? 
it's uh, you know, I, I would sit there and uh, look at these guys and look at where you are in your business. And the first port of call I'd be doing is getting somebody into sense check your business against uh, yourself historically, your peers, to try and understand you know where the opportunities actually lie within your business. So a good consultant might charge you you know anywhere between three to five grand to do that, and that is uh, money that's reasonably well spent. Great, I can thanks. add to that, um, yeah, uh, Andrew. Look, I think um, most of the high-performing farmers that we work with uh, don't um, have any reservations about using professional services, professional support um, um, in, in their business. Um, however, what we also do see is that those high-performing farmers own um, any decisions that manifest from uh, the work they do with um, their professionals. So I think um, your, your question, um, it, in reality, uh, it's a case-by-case thing, what, what people will need to spend and what services they might need to help them. Some farmers use um, regular consultancy advice. Others use it ad hoc to help support um, decisions around reinvestment, um, infrastructure, um, environmental planning and such forth. Um, so it's it's not really a one-size-fits-all, but put it this way, um, it's something that financiers are more and more seeking out when we're providing capital to businesses. Uh, we're, we're looking at, hey, what professional services are sort of wrapped around these people and um, is the team um, the right team to have around the table? Um, and where we have deficiencies um, in a business, if there's um, debt in the business, um, we would probably um, ask or, or try and work with the customer to um, to introduce parties that can help um, tackle those deficiencies, budgeting, business planning, stock policy, whatever it is. That's really great advice. Um, I've got another question here. What percentage of clients are using a good budgeting planning tool like Xero or Cash Manager? And therefore, how many are actually needing to upgrade those services? Can I Put that a bit Go for it. Um, the area that we work in, the wire at the Tararua, South Hawke's Bay, is... Um, we would estimate that over 75% of our client base are using a budgeting tool. Um, we would now insist that a client is using either Zero Cash Manager, or MyOB if they were going to um, uh, be borrowing a significant amount of money off us. So we need to see customers using those tools uh, to give us confidence that um, their fiscal policy and their fiscal management is acceptable. Uh, to, to support um, lending activity. Um, further afield, I think um, there's a much lower um, percentage of um, farmers using these tools. Um, we get varying reports out of different regions, but I think on the whole, um, something like 35% of farmers might be using these tools um, actively for budgeting and planning. Um, and, um, you know, the, the that's that's increased significantly 
uh, we estimated that about 10% of the um, country's farmers were using these tools actively five years ago. That's improved dramatically. Still a long way to go. Um, that said, it's probably, um, it, realistically, if you're carrying debt uh, or you have reasons to be um, operating your business, you know, running a high-performance business, there is likely more motivation for using these tools and planning and such forth than there is if you've got very little debt and are, and are, um, and, and are under less pressure. So I think one thing that sometimes gets overlooked is that um, when you're trying to run a high-performance business, um, you know, one of the motivating factors, often it's debt, often it's um, obligations to family. Um, there's lots of different motivators that um, are a factor and, and that pressure can uh, often be the catalyst for high performance and, and use of these tools underpinning it. Just to add to that, Briar, I think if you put it in context, all our high performing businesses are actually using it. Uh, all our businesses that are, you know, if I, you know that, that take a long term view of of sustainability. They, they, they are doing this religiously. They are budgeting, they are forecasting, they are updating those budgets and forecasts to ensure that they are relevant for the day. It comes back to that first point. It's about knowing the position of the business and the implications of the actions that you make and do within your business. It helps you plan and prepare, essentially. So, yeah, that I'd say that all, yeah, like to Sean's point, 75% of our customer base do it. It's something that will help to try and drive those those uh, those behaviours. So it's uh, it's well worth investing in. How does a, a farmer sort of go about picking which um, like budgeting or planning tool that they use, or you know whether they use zero or cash manager? You know where where would you suggest that a farmer start? We have no preference about it. What we like to see is the ability for us to have access to them. Now, when I say access to it, we we have a third party. All those programs and platforms have a third party access ability that we can actually utilise by hopping in and actually helping our clients. So, really, it comes down to preference. Each anyone, everyone's different, and they're going to hop on there and find that uh, uh, they like one over the other. So, there are slightly different cost structures and fees associated with them. So that could be a key driver. The way they look is really, you know, you know could be a similar thing too. Cash manager, in reality, and honestly, is actually more designed for farmers versus uh, zero and, and, uh, and figured. So, you know, that could be the preference that, in that way. My, my, my suggestion there would be, if you're going to get into budgeting for the first time, go and look at all the products. Talk to the representatives and actually get a good understanding of whether or not that's going to fit for you. That's my that's it's it. Yeah, that's great. I've just got a comment here from Andrew saying that um, you know needing to own the tool and advice is is really key because it leads to credibility in the tools um, plus advice and timely, confident follow through on the actions actually oh. needed. Um, we we love to see people who own the budget and. Uh, you know, take responsibility for, for not just completing an initial budget, 
but also making it a, a genuine, honest budget and keeping it up to date and relevant. Because if we are looking in there and trying to have some constructive conversations and relationships with our clients, there's nothing worse than hopping in and finding outdated information that we can't make decisions off. Yeah, and that leads on to the next question I've got here, which is um, how often should a farmer be engaging with their bank managers and going through their budgets, especially when they're faced with the current situation of drought and COVID? Uh, that's, again, that comes down to personal preference and the capacity and capability of the people. We, our higher performing businesses, while they are confident and they may be performing reasonably well, they actually have a tendency to engage us quite often. And uh, it's not uncommon for us to be talking to these clients at least once a week, once a fortnight, once a month in a formal manner uh, to actually just touch base and give a bit of a view of sort of where we're seeing things and get an update of where the business and uh, their financial position actually may be at any given time. What we like to do is a no surprises policy. Uh, we don't like to get a call uh, on the on the night of the 19th uh, after you know six months is the last time we talked to you and uh, told that we've run out of money. It's uh, if we can preempt that early in the piece, we are far more biddable. And it comes back down to uh, how we see businesses and clients act and the credibility they have. Yeah, great. Um, I see the lovely Gay in the far north has just uh, mentioned here that if you are looking at getting a package um, to help with your business, just ensure that that um, suits your accountant, well, fits in with what your accountant uses as well, because I, I believe they, they jump in the back end of some of those things and, it, and it's very helpful for them if they can do that quite easily. Um, another question here. So this is moving into, into a new territory. Um, do you have any estimations of the long, longer term impact of the COVID-19 on New Zealand beef and lamb commodity prices? Are banks currently providing support to mitigate the impact of COVID-19 on farmers? So two questions there. Uh, so let's, uh, let's answer that in, in two ways. The first bit is, are banks providing support to COVID? Well, there's, you know, if we look at, look at it uh, in a wider sense, uh, there, there's several things going on at the moment. Uh, initially, uh, if we start with the Bank Finance Guarantee Scheme, which was driven by the government, uh, so essentially there's a $6.25 billion uh, fund there that is 80% backed by the government and the rest of it's banked by the you know, all the major trading banks in the, in the country. And uh, essentially what that does is it actually looks to provide support to New Zealand businesses. Uh, if they need it, uh, uh, anywhere up to 500,000. 500, uh, and that's going to go to meeting you know, uh, liquidity and liquidity needs if needed. Uh, it's not specifically designed or available to red meat businesses and dairy businesses. Uh, it's more designed for commercial retail type businesses, uh, other businesses that aren't red meat and, and, and dairy. Uh, within that, the banks themselves will actually have their own support packages and processes and policies in place as well. So it comes down to understanding the impacts of COVID on the business, how it's impacted and what place, what strategy we have in place. And it comes to a case-by-case -case basis, really. Uh, the best way to go about that is, you know, talking to your manager and understanding how and what we can actually do. 
it can come down to as much as you know, deferring principal repayments, uh, providing additional liquidity, you know, restructuring the facilities that we actually you know, provide to a business to ensure that they're actually adequate. There's a, there, there's a plethora of ways or many ways to actually meet those needs. Also ties in there with, with the drought, you know, the support for drought for the red meat businesses through this, uh, you know, through this period. Same applies. You know, the, all banks are going to be here to support you know, the red meat businesses in some way, shape or form. It's really about being, being, doing the right things, being sensible about what we're doing, making sensible decisions for the right reasons at the right times. As long as we're doing those things, uh, then there's going to be support there for, you know, for businesses. You left us that second one again there, right? Yeah, uh, so that that, can we just? Sorry, go, Steph. Sorry, Sean. Just, just back on the back on the COVID situation. Um, I noticed Rob's kind of directed his question at um, what 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 uh, options are around for for farmers with respect to COVID out, outcomes. Um, look, uh, the the government guarantee scheme and the um well the government guarantee scheme is actually um there's a few sectors that are exempt uh what one is property development um another is um pro property you know large-scale property ownership um you know landlords and such forth um and and um and we've also got um dairy sheep and beef uh, deer farmers are actually able to access that package uh, they've been significantly compromised by um, COVID. Um, no doubt most of you are aware of that. Uh, horticulture, um, you know, pip fruit, um, viticulture and such forth is all um, subject to that package as well. Um, further to that, we've had quite a few clients, um, particularly in the Waikato where the, where the drought's been playing out, um, actually take advantage of the employee um, employer wage subsidy. Um, Actually, have had a few issues with that. Dairy farmers who have um, taken up the scheme and, and um, since realised their uh, their revenues aren't actually 30% going to be 30% back on last year. So, one of the um, one of the uh, critical um, pieces of evidence that you need to submit to to join either scheme uh, or take advantage of either scheme is that your revenue stream needs to be more than 30%. Um, back on the prior financial year, so you, your your 20 financial outcome needs to be 30% less revenue in the business. Um, and um, actually, when you look at sheep, beef, beef and dairy, um, even though we've had a, a pretty um, pretty big challenge with this drought in a massive part of the country, um, by and large, um, very few businesses have um, have actually lost. Um, upwards of 30% of their top line um, over the last 12 months. So um, I guess that probably leads into why the Crown hasn't actually included those particular sectors in its um, in its you know COVID relief package. Um, that said, uh, the bank is actually working hard to help farmers who are um, impacted by drought. Um, we released a drought package back in March. Um, 
the rough guts of the draft package is that we will suspend um, principal payments. Um, we will provide liquidity uh, with with very little information, i.e. we'll provide you with an overdraft increase without asking you for a whole lot of reporting. Um, and uh, we'll also um, consider on a case-by-case -case, um, interest holidays. As with the government package, though, interest holidays aren't actually uh, a case of you're never going to, you're not going to pay interest for six months. Uh, the interest is actually capitalised, and at a later date, you will have to pay it. Um, so, um, yeah, it's probably just uh, worth noting that um, we do actually have some, a drought package out there to support farmers. That's good to know. Um, Sean, do you want to just give us a bit of a um, kind of overview of what's kind of happening with um, global economic growth rates, just in a general sense? Yeah, that's that's quite a complex question. I mean, look, the 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 long story short is um, COVID has had a massive um, impact on um, the global economy. Um, the impact it's having on on each individual economy, I, I couldn't speak to, but but globally, um, the numbers are, are looking very very grim. Um, how that how that may or may not impact farmers is is not entirely clear at the moment. The first and um, mo most obvious um, challenge that farmers are going to have to navigate is um, supply chain. So how do we get product from New Zealand into um, all of these other nations that we export to um, when we've got issues with shipping, trade, um, ports, um, you know, transport, the whole works, the whole nine yards. That's actually having some pretty big, uh, that's impacting farmers in different places around the world. For instance, you would have heard about um, dairy farmers in the Eurozone and in the US for tipping out their milk. And that's not about um, a lack of uh, consumer demand. It's actually about um, basically logistics. Um, so issue one is um, is trade routes. Um, I think a lot of the um, processes here in New Zealand have, have done a really good job of navigating that. Um, second point is um, what's, what's going to happen with commodity prices. And I think Rob did actually ask the question. He touched on that in his... Um, message. Um, the truth about that, Rob, is we don't actually know um, how uh, how that might play out. There's certainly some issues with supply um, channels, um, and you know, often when you have those issues, um, per, you know, purchasers um, take a, a much more ruthless approach to um, what they, what they're paying for for commodity. Um, we've seen that play out with the oil price recently. Um, the other the other issue, um, I guess, that sort of to a degree may mitigate um, things for New Zealand in a medium term sense is, um, you know, we've got a really great story about how we've we've tackled COVID, and uh, we've got a very uh, well known and, and thought about brand, um, you know, sort of national brand, you know, as far as food provenance goes. So. You know, we may find that in the medium term uh, and even the, the, the longer short term, um, 
you know, COVID might play into our hands around food security and so forth. And what we do know is that consumers are becoming more conscious of um, of their um, ability to access food, the food security, and um, and they're becoming more conscious of, of what it is they're buying. And, and, and COVID's ultimately going to probably um, make that uh, decision, um, you know, reinforce that decision for consumers, um, food safety and, and so forth. Um, so maybe in the short term we might see some issues. Um, we're certainly seeing some issues playing out with our processes. You know, locally uh, you're all aware that processes are running at about 50% capacity, which is creating a bit of a backlog issue, and that plays into that logistical kind of challenge I talked about. Um, but once we get through that, um, yeah, I think the consensus is commodity price will soften, but um, to what degree and for how long? That's that's a question I can't answer. Um, a little, another factor that will play out there is basically the wealth of the world. Um, you know, we're, we're conscious that a lot of people are going to become redundant. Millions of people globally will become um, redundant as a result of COVID. And, and I guess that means there's less middle class um, affluence and less ability to um, pay a premium or, or even, you know, purchase um, premium food products. So that that may be a challenge for us. Yeah, all these things, it's quite hard to wrap your head around, really, isn't it, um, when you're isolating on a farm up a gully somewhere? Um, <laughs> so the next question here is from Andrew asking, how has COVID affected the banking sector's overall risk rating and attractiveness of sheep in, in the sheep and beef sector compared to, say, property or dairy, et cetera? Yeah, what a, what a great question, Andrew. Um, Hey, just before I answer that, um, I'll just flick back to uh, Rob's earlier question around what are the banks doing to support, um, you know, to support farmers. Um, one of the really exciting things that um, probably no one who's not a banker uh, would care about is that um, alongside dropping the official cash rate 75 basis points, um, which the banks did pass on in their floating rates, I might add, um, Grant Robertson, um, uh, sorry, not um, Adrian Orr, uh, made a decision to push out the bank uh, regulatory capital proposal. Um, so we were in June of this year. Um, we were basically all of the banks were subject to having to carry more equity capital, and when we have to carry more equity capital, we effectively have to source that money from somewhere. So our funding costs increase, um, and the Reality of that is, is that farmers, like like other sectors, would end up having to basically wear the cost of that. Um, that was going to that was sort of forecast to play out. Well, um, it was going to play out over seven years, and so the average probably cost increase over that period, probably for a farmer, could have been as much as um, 120 basis points. The Reserve Bank sort of held a view that it was more like 40. Um, we, we, the banks, uh, didn't. Um, we felt it was well over a percent. Um, that that decision was deferred for 12 months, so it's been pushed out to June 21. And uh, Grant Robert, uh, sorry, um, Adrian Orr highlighted that he would most likely be pushing it out for a further 12 months from there, depending on how big the impact of COVID is. 
that's a great thing. Uh, it will effectively keep funding costs lower for longer. And it ties into Andrew's question. Um, where are we at with respect to agri, first of all? Um, basically, uh, this COVID situation has been a great thing um, for how agri is um, understood and uh, understood within the banking sector. Um, what, what we've basically seen is a massive um, shift in focus uh, toward the risks that commercial cash flow businesses present to banks. So right now we have, um, I'll give you an example, in ANZ for the entire year we had um, forecast $61 million worth of individual provisions. And what that means is we, we, we in our balance sheet, we're acknowledging over the course of the year, we would probably write off 60 million, 60 odd million dollars worth of bad loans. In March alone, we wrote 91 million um, COVID related. Um, those provisions uh, aren't, aren't a direct loss for us. They're a forecast based on what we know about some businesses that we um, are concerned about. And ultimately, they could be written back onto the book if the business performs. But um, basically, what I'm saying is that in one month, the first month of COVID fallout, uh, we had a significant, um, you know, a, a significant piece of fallout in our book, and that's only the start of it. Um, just to give you an example, um, I think late March. Um, oh, sorry, it was the it was the week, the first week of the lockdown on a Monday. We had $1.8 billion worth of liquidity requests um, from our institutional customers. Those are our large-scale kind of corporates, NZX-listed sort of stuff. Um, you know, so, um, you know, some of that was about liquidity. Some of it was actually about positioning for a potential fallout. But I guess the point I'm making is that at the moment, the ag sector is kind of a pretty safe proposition for the banks. We know our money's safe. We've got a fixed asset underpinning our lend, um, and we feel good about it. Um, where are we at with with respect to sheep and beef? Um, for a number of years now, ANZ's been actively uh, pursuing red meat over dairy. Um, we've actually reduced our dairy exposure since GFC. We've been quite concerned that some of the leverage in that sector is um, too big a risk. And uh, we've we've transitioned our focus to other sectors, red meat, horticulture, and various other sectors, hops, and so forth. Um, so your question there, Andrew, um, how do we feel about sheep and beef? We feel good about it. Um, we we are in a position right now where um, we're relaxed about lending sheep and beef farmers money, provided their um, proposition sensible. That's good to hear. Um, we're sort of starting to draw this to, to a close, because my gosh, this hour's gone quick. Uh, Dan, have you got anything more to add on on that in particular? Uh, no, I think Sean covered off uh, that, that that point reasonably well. Well, I think if you just sort of uh, you know, bear in mind, it sort of does tie in with you know, these other comments around you know, that were sort of made during the course of this conversation. You know, be, be, while there is, the bank does hold a, a pretty good view of sheep and beef and uh, you know, considers it to be one of our key markets, 
uh, that being said, we still need to be sensible around what we do. And uh, particularly for the next you know, 12 months, you know, six to 12 months, let's just be sensible around the decisions we make and where we spend our money. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if there's any more questions from our listeners, you can just get those in the chat bar um, because we are pretty much done on time. Um, we usually have a whip round and everyone gets to un unmute and ask a question, but unfortunately we don't have time for that today. Um, so I think at this point, while we're waiting for any any more questions, I'll just do a quick summary. So I guess the key points for me today is, is um, we really need to plan and we need to keep planning and we need to have conversations. So you need to talk to the to the team around you, um, keep in touch and keep keep checking in. While it is it is really tough with us with with what we're faced with at the moment with with both drought and COVID, it's a very complex problem. We don't really know what the future is going to look like, but on a whole, it seems like it's great to be a red meat farmer, <laughs> and and that's awesome. That's awesome that it's great to be a red meat farmer. So uh, what I what I would add to that, Briar, there is it's also a great opportunity to review the business. And when I mean review the business, it's understanding where the risks lie in your business in what you're actually trying to achieve. And if you can tie in what you're trying to achieve uh, with with how your business is actually performing and mitigate those risks to, in, in line with what you're actually trying to achieve, you're going to create some real value in your business. Uh, key things that you can think of around mitigating risks, interest rates are one of them. You think about those in terms of you know, your risk profile. Now's a great time to look at those, review those. Uh, another another thing to think about there is actually you know you know the needs and wants you know your longer term plans you know how do they tie in you know with what you're actually trying to be are the timelines that you've set for yourself still relevant uh, or have they changed now it's uh, this is a great time just to have a real declutter and review your business. I'm sure everybody's going to go home and do that as homework, aren't they? That's great. Sean, do you have any points to add on on that, on just kind of take-home messages you'd suggest people think about? Look, I, I think um, I, I think the challenge we're, we're sort of facing at the moment is is all about uncertainty. Um, but from a, a red meat farmer's perspective. Um, there's no need to panic. Um, the sector's in much better shape than various other sectors around the world, and and we're in food. Um, people need to eat. People have um, become more conscious of food security. Uh, and I think um, as we get through the initial blip here, um, this this will be a good thing um, for for New Zealand agriculture. Um, so I guess the point is, um, don't panic. Um, but um, at the same time, now is not a time to be um, uh, overly optimistic and, and take a conservative approach to how you plan and, and um, make decisions in and around your business. That's good. So everybody, keep calm and carry on. Uh, we don't have any any further questions that have, that have come in. So um, I just want to say a huge thanks to, to Dan Billing and Sean Stafford for joining us today. They were absolutely full of 
great advice. Um, so thanks both of you for, for coming. Really, really appreciate your time. Thank you, Tom. Uh, that's no problem there, Brian. Oh, great. And um, I will hang out on this call for a bit longer. If anybody wants to hang around and have a have a chat to me about anything else or um, or check in about anything with, with beef and lamb, just um, hang on and I'll still be here. But, um, yeah, huge thanks to ANZ, who are one of our RMPP Red Meat Profit Partnership partners for um, joining us today. You are free to go and feed your dogs and the kids and all those other evening chores you need to do. Brilliant. Thanks very much, guys. Been a great afternoon.